Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up Podcast. Today I have on Travis Chapel. He is the founder and host of the Build Your Own Network podcast. In a day and age where people are talking about, well, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Travis is one of those guys. They're like, okay, who do you know and how do you get out there? How do you start uh, interviewing and, and start collaborating and, and talking to some of the people that inspire you. And that's exactly what we talk about in this podcast, among other things. Um, but I also think that Travis's approach on just being relentlessly helpful uh, also will resonate. Matter of fact, I even asked him in this podcast, I'm like, okay, so then why did you do this podcast then? Because uh, I'm not the biggest out there by any means. And he says, because I know what it's like. I was in your position not that long ago, and I always want to give back. So love it that he practices what he preaches, um, but also like the fact that the advice he's giving today is super practical, and you can replicate it today or tomorrow. All right, let's dig in on this one. Hope you enjoy. Travis Chapel. All right, now I'm excited to bring you Travis Chapel. He is the mastermind behind the Build Your Network podcast and all other things Build Your Network. Travis, thank you so much for being on the show. Don, thanks for having me, my man. Appreciate it. So focus of the show has always been, um, what is your chapter one? How did you get here? And, and I've been following you for a while mm-hmm. and it seems like there's, there's always a handful of people. We, and I'm going to go into while what you're doing can be bad and good for people, um, and I know you know exactly what I'm going to get at, but, uh, back up three years ago, tell me how all this started to happen for build your network. Yeah. So three years ago, none of this existed. Um, I was actually probably around the time where I was hiring a coach the first coach I ever hired, which was a podcast coach, a guy by the name of Jeff Brown. Um, and, uh, I, I wanted, I wanted John Lee Dumas to be my coach, but he didn't do one-on-one coaching anymore. So he made an intro for me to, to chat with Jeff and, um, and him and I started a coaching relationship, I believe actually in February of 2017. But, um, yeah, that was before any of this existed. So I was, um, just, I, I knew that I wanted to podcast, but I just had no idea what I was going to talk about. And I knew enough about it to know that I had to like niche down. I, I couldn't just talk about whatever and be the next Joe Rogan. It's just not how it works. Um, and so I initially thought sales because that's what my whole background is. And I did, you know, six, seven years door-to-door sales. And I thought, you know, I'll go that direction. And I went to go to iTunes to look up sales. And it turns out that there was, you know, like... 150 different sales shows. Uh, and, and that's probably a conservative estimate. So I, I, uh, was just starting trying to think of a different topic that I could talk about. And, uh, networking was, was something that I'd always, always been interested in. And I, I felt like the success that I had in sales was due to the fact that I got around good mentors and learned directly from people who'd been there and done that walk the road before me. And uh, so I was like, oh, I'll do a show on that. And I figured it would also be saturated, but I went to iTunes and looked it up. And to my surprise, it just wasn't. And uh, so that was kind of how Build Your Network was born, was just basically out of, man, what do I talk about? And it was just like, this seems like it would be cool. And then looked it up and nobody was doing it. So I just kind of jumped in and so uh, did decided you, did, to start creating content. Yeah. So did you have like a stable of people that you knew that would probably be on the show? <laughs> no. Were you kind of uh, banking on that? Okay. No, I was like z- so, starting from so, scratch, man. <laughs> So step yeah, one, what the heck am I going to talk about? Right. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. All and right. Step two, who the heck am I going to talk to about it? You know? Um, so yeah, I, I had some friends that 
were doing like network marketing at the time and different things like that. So I just talked to anybody who had entrepreneurial tendencies basically at the very beginning, you know, um, and, uh, it was, you know, not, you did not have to be insanely qualified to be on my show at the time. Uh, but I quickly made the adjustments that I needed to, to start getting, you know, better and better guests, the, the, you know, further along the path I, I went. So, wow. Well, first of all, I like the fact that you started off by hiring a coach. Um, I've discovered that magic actually it was forced upon me. It's a long story, but, <laughs> um, I used to think that was, hey, I don't want to say I used to think it was a sign of weakness. I guess maybe I was too frugal to think yeah. I can figure things out of myself. Sure. And, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And you almost look at it like almost like scammy a little bit. You think, you know, well, this, you know, wow, what, what are they, what, what's so special about them? Like, why, you know, why can't I just do it myself? Like, oh, I'll just, you know, it's, that's a lot of money. I'll, I'll just figure it out. And all of those things are true to a certain extent, meaning like you can figure it out yourself, like totally go for it. But, you know, I, I think it comes down to a fundamental misunderstanding of what the real asset in life is. And the real asset in life is not money. Money is a replaceable asset. We can go make more of it. We can get, we can, we can lose it all and we could make it all back. Like it's, it's replaceable asset. Time is our only real asset. The only asset that we can't get more of, even if we really, really wanted it. Like we cannot produce more time. Um, so coaching, mentorship, masterminds, paying, investing into yourself through learning from people that have already been there, done that walk the road before you, is just going to save you years and years of time, which is way more beneficial than the little bit of money that you pay in exchange for that time. Yeah, totally drink that Kool-Aid now. I, mean, I know it's kind of a cliche term, but like you're not paying for their time now, you're paying for their last five years right. of knowledge Yep. And you're going to, and you're going to be able to short circuit that. Exactly. So, okay. So what a lot of times people ask is like, all right, how did the, and, and obviously there's usually a chain reaction. You get one guest that leads to another, that leads to another, that leads to another. Who was that breakthrough? You're like, wait a second. I'm onto something here. Johnny Dumas was the first big guest that I had on my show. Um, and, uh, it was really just because I paid for a mastermind at his house. And so it was kind of a no brainer for him to come on. Cause I, you know, paid him a bunch of money to go to his house and learn from him for a weekend. Um, so that was my first bigger name, which I leveraged to get one or two other big names. And then it was just kind of a snowball from there. So step two. Well, okay. So after John Lee, then like, give me a, a, for instance on like two and three that kind of fell into line. Yeah. I don't remember three, but I remember two. Um, and it was Patrick bet David, um, I don't know if you know who that yeah. is. If you follow any of his stuff, but um, yeah, at the time, at the time, his YouTube channel was like, I want to say three to four hundred thousand sub subscribers. So it was nowhere near as big as it is now, but it was still pretty big at the time. And mm. uh, and then he, I knew he was running a nine-figure company. So I was like, you know, either way, like this is a fantastic guy to get on. And um, and he had just done an episode on Entrepreneur on Fire. So I knew that he knew John. So mm -hmm. when I reached out to him, I made sure that I, you know, threw that out there and he ended up saying yes. So got him on, uh, got him on around, a, you know, a couple of weeks probably after I interviewed John. Um, and then from there, I just kind of kept going after that. You know, um, it, it was never like, a, it was never like I was, I was never only reaching out to one person at a time. Right. You know, I always had five to seven conversations going on with people and people's teams and assistants and, um, introductions and all that kind of stuff. So um, it was, you know, just who happened to say yes sooner rather than later. Right. No, I, I, um, we had such a strange start. 
um, when I started a, this strange class I had, uh, it was because of Dan Pink. And um, it was one of those things that because, and, and Dan a couple times called into the class and one of our students, uh, like it, it started to get nuts because, um, you know, Tom Bilyeu had called into the class and then that kind of leveraged things. And then uh, all of a sudden, they, Tim Ferriss was with our class for an hour and a half. And one of my kids turned around and goes, are we taping this? Because we should really be taping this. <laughs> yeah, and they're, my students are like, why the heck isn't this a podcast? Because ironically enough, they knew about Inside Quest and they're like, hey, he was just recording it for his employees. You should be recording these for your students. Yeah. But this is a segue to a real class, not just a flex on. I interviewed Tim. It was, I had people then say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start my podcast. Uh-oh. Why hasn't Tim Ferriss gotten back with me? And, right. and, and I want you to explain this because sometimes you have done a great job on making it easy. On my instance, I had students and like, it's hard to say no to a student. A bunch of 18 year olds are like, hey, and 17 year olds, hey, call, call Mr. Retrick's class. That was, that was a value add. That was like, oh, okay. Right. So when people are mad that some of the people we've talked to, I'm like, hey, you know, A, advantage, I was a teacher. So yeah. what was your secret sauce and how has this, because like, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's good, but everybody wants to do a podcast now. And yeah. not everybody is going to nab, you know, Ed Milet, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, or, or, or Dean or some of these other people you've had on that are awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you tell them and, and how do they go about it to where they don't think it's, you know, well, it's super easy because Travis did. Yeah. Uh, your, your job as the host when you're inviting people on your show is to try to make it look like a really easy decision. People, especially people like that are just really, really busy and they, they do not lack opportunity. Opportunity comes to them, you know, a hundred times a day in various forms. Um, and so you have to, you have to be able to jump into those spaces and make it a no brainer for them to say yes. So the way that I try to do that is just by packing as much credibility into the message as I possibly can. So, um, so what I'll do is I'll go to their Instagram and I'll go look to see who they follow. And then I'll list out all the names of the people that they follow that I've had on my show so that I know 100% for sure they at least know who these people are. And if there's that many people that they know that have said yes to an interview on my show, then at a certain point, they don't really have to do any research. They don't have to question me. They don't have to wonder about my download stats. They don't have to wonder how long I've been doing it. They don't have to ask a ton of questions because there's so much credibility there that like they, it's just kind of a no brainer for them. Like I'm, I'm taking out all the guesswork, if that makes sense. Like instead of just saying, Hey, come on my show. And then there's not really any follow up on that. Like that's the first time they've ever met you. That's the first time they've ever had any interaction with you. And you know, some, some people will just say yes, just because you know, they maybe, they maybe just might not be as busy or maybe they're just not a, crazy promo mode at the time and they're pushing a book and they say yes to anybody that wants to put them in front of their audience, even if it's 10 people or a hundred thousand people. Um, but the majority of the time with people like that, they're just super busy. They have to be able to screen those requests because they need to make the best and most efficient use of their time. And if they said yes to every single request that came in, they, they wouldn't like, they wouldn't be able to physically do it. It wouldn't be possible for them to do it. So you have to take away all of the resistance for them to say no to what you have going on. 
And for me, the way that I did that was through continuing to get credibility. So at the beginning, obviously, it was a lot tougher because you don't have any of those people that, that are on the show. Um, but that's how I started kind of building my lists for people that I wanted to bring on my show was I would go look for, okay, I want this guy on my show. Let's go look to see who he follows. Okay, he doesn't follow like uh, all the people he follows that I follow. I haven't interviewed any of them. So like, okay, that's a problem. I can't drop any names with this guy. So uh, uh, then I would start noticing patterns when I would reach out to another person and I would look to see who they follow. And this other person that I wanted on looked to see who they follow. And then all three of those people followed these seven people. So if I could start knocking off those seven people, then I could start using that to get you know, leverage to get this other person on and then use both of those names to leverage to get the second person on, then use all three of those names to leverage to get the fourth person on. And it's just kind of like a snowball that keeps going from there. And I, I don't know, I know that's kind of a vague answer, but that's- No, that's no, I like it. Exactly I, I'm, what I did. I'm assuming also ease of saying yes is probably like a streamlined process. Right. You know, like totally. you, you, there's not a lot of guesswork. I'm also assuming that like when you did, when you're finished with the podcast, you gave them links and a album art cover and things of this nature, yeah? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We, we give them, you know, we, we may, we have a first class, you know, booking process and things like that to make it seem like we're like, I always want to be like, if, if they got, if they just got interviewed by a nationally syndicated radio show or a local news channel or something like that, when everything's like super on par and they're like moving from step to step to step, I want it to feel just as much like that as it possibly can with my guests to where like they feel like, first class with my booking process. Like it's obviously not going to be the same thing, but I want there to be as, as little amount of drop off as possible because the, the cool thing about podcasting is that there's no barrier to entry, but the crappy thing about podcasting is that there's no barrier to entry, right? So a lot of people just totally screw it up and really not, not even, it's, it's not even really their fault necessarily because they're not broadcasters and they have no idea what it looks like to even make that process good. Um, but uh, a lot of people don't even like work on it and try to make it better. And uh, then there's a clear drop off between like this person that just got interviewed on Fox news yesterday. And then they come on your podcast and then there's this, this crazy drop off in quality and process that makes them go, Oh, yep, this is a podcaster. You know what I mean? Um, and so I try to, I try to, I try to minimize that as much as possible and make it as professional and streamlined as I can. Well, obviously, now the hunter has become the hunted. Uh, I'm assuming now you're getting requests to be the guest. Well, <laughs> here we are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How do you, well, mm, yeah. Uh, all right, transparency time. Uh, why'd you say yes to my podcast? You know, man, uh, I honestly am not very picky um, when it comes to me being a guest on other shows, um, especially because I know how difficult it is to get people to say yes and to do interviews. Uh, um, so much, there's only been a couple of times where I've turned people down, uh, to, to, to being on their show, uh, because I, like I said, I, I just, I understand the process, you know? And so if they put any effort into it at all, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Um, I just block off a certain time in my, in my schedule now for it to where I only do it on Wednesdays from, or, uh, typ typically Wednesdays, today's th Thursday, but I had a all day coaching day yesterday with a client. Mm -hmm. So I had to move on my Wednesday appointments to, to today. But, um, but yeah, I just open up one block of time and say like, Hey, go ahead and book a time if you can find a time basically. Right. Um, so I just, I, I, I basically say yes to, to most opportunities at this point, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but, uh, all you really have to do is not, screw it up. Like I have this one guy that's been trying to get me on and he just, 
just it's just really bad. It's just like zero effort. <laughs> and the first time he reached out to me, I said, "Reach out in a couple months." I said, "Hey, give me a couple of months. I'm working on a bunch of things. My schedule's packed out like crazy." And then the next day, he hit me up about it again. And then the next day, he hit me up hit me up about it again. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, man! I told you a couple months twice. Like, don't do that." <laughs> like, he, like he, that, he saw that, that's exactly he how to not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the but, M was for minutes or yeah. months. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly how to not get me on your show. But the majority of people, like you know, if it's if it's any sort of professionalism at all, I'm, I'm like, yeah, let's do it because, yeah. like I said, I, I, I know what it's like. I know what it's like. Yeah, I find it almost therapeutic um and that i enjoy being the guest yeah so it, it's, oh, it's so much and, easier than oh, being the host it's it's <laughs> almost a, like it's the difference between keynoting and paneling oh my gosh i will always yeah. say a panel you saw my opinions right. okay right, exactly. nothing to prepare no slides yeah i'm in uh yep. yeah and and i also like the because i've had some, or, or being a speaker versus being an mc yeah, that's, that's, oh, that's really yeah. like, like if you're the MC of an event, like that's a whole different ball game than like speaking once. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is, but I'll, I will say that's here. kind of an art too, because you have to have a little bit of improv in you. Oh no, totally. I, yeah. I, that, that's what I'm saying is like MCing is harder than. Oh, just okay. Okay. I thought, and, I thought no, you were no, saying no. it's easier. I'm like, I don't no, know, no, no, man. It's no, pretty no. tough. MCing is more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> that's the hard, like that that's a hard job. The speaking once, that's fine. Like anybody, they can go up there and speak for 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, panel would be even easiest, but, but yeah, definitely. There, there's definitely a hierarchy there, but I, I, I agree when you're a guest on a show, it's so much easier because all you do have to do is show up and, and be your best for that person and their audience. Right. Um, and uh, you know, I, I just kind of have this abundance mentality when it comes to it. And one of these days I'll probably have to just start saying no, just because it just gets too much. Um, but um you know, as long as I can continue to say yes to everybody, I will. Um, I figured out a long time ago, like if you can put me in front of an audience of four people that I've never talked to before, that's four new people that know about me that didn't before, you know? Yeah. So like, sure, I'll do it. I'm not, not, I'm not, a, not against doing anything like that at this point. You know, like I said, at some point in the future, I might have to maybe just start charging or make the barrier to entry a little bit higher just so that I have fewer requests coming in. Um, but, uh, but you know, while I can manage it, I still, I'll, I'll get it done. Like, I think I did the four of these today, um, in like the five hour time slot that I have. So it's, it gets pretty packed out every week. Uh, but, uh, I, I enjoy doing it and it's uh, fun to connect with all, all the hosts and see where they're at in their journeys. And, um, you know, like I said, you get me in front of an audience of four people I've never met before. And, you know, it's a positive thing for me. Yeah. So uh, speaking of time and constraints, uh, what would you like to say yes to, but it's just not in the cards right now? I would love to just be a content creator, man. Um, that, that's my goal with what I do is like I, cr I create content, but my, uh, the way that I make money is through products and services that my audience buys from me. Um, and, uh, I add a lot of value in those products and services and it's always, you know, really good, uh, investment comparatively to the value that I add. Um, but at the same time, I would like, I, I would love to just be able to do my show and only have to worry about new segments and new content and having fun and entertainment and giving value on like a show like that, where I could just like get some sponsorship revenue and just be okay with that and, and only do that. 
Like I would, I would drop all the other stuff that I do for monetary stuff if I, if I could just be a content creator. So that's, that's really my ultimate goal with everything that I do, yeah. which is the thing that I would like, love to just say yes to, um, right. because that's, that's what I enjoy doing out of all the process is, is the content creation, the actual creative process of, of going out and making videos and doing podcasts and uh, flying across the country to interview an interesting person. Like that's the kind of stuff that fires me up. Yeah. So tell me about world class. Yeah. So Speaking of I, which. I was going to say, so you've been following myself a little bit, uh, obviously. Um, so world-class is a, is a, a new show that I'm launching, uh, that's going to kind of be that segue for me, um, to, cause build your network is very, obviously a very niched topic with a, uh, in, within the entrepreneurial space and, uh, people outside entrepreneurship still network, but they wouldn't call it networking. So it's kind of a message that's uh, kind of falls on deaf ears and some of those crowds. Um, so that's what it kind of, it made me realize that when I started reaching out to some people that weren't entrepreneurs, like there were just world, like, uh, you know, really, like really good comics, like stand up comics that I, I've gotten in touch with. And it's like, Oh, build your network. I don't know if I'd be good on that show, you know? And it's just like, there's a total disconnect there. Um, so it, it made me realize that like, okay, maybe I'm kind of limiting myself to the entrepreneurship space by only having build your network. So build your network is still going to keep going and it's, you know, the, the, it's still my baby. I'm not going to let go of it. Um, but, uh, world-class is going to kind of turn into my, my flagship show, um, that will be all content that we're, that we're building for YouTube that we repurpose as a podcast. And that'll be where basically all of my like tippy top interviews are living. Um, so that's, that's where like, that's where all the, uh, you know, focus for in terms of guest outreach and continuing to get higher and higher quality people, uh, the focus will be, will be headed all into, into world-class there. Person that you've interviewed that you can't figure out why they're not a household name? That's a really good question. I've never, never asked that question before. Um, hmm. I, you know, I would say Molly Bloom. Uh, um, do, you, do you know her? To your point, no. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah, so perfect example. So like this is a girl who um, ran a, the, 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 high, the world's highest stakes underground poker game. Um, in New York City. Oh my gosh. Back. Okay. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Go so ahead. They, no, this is a great story. Yeah. So she was running this game that had a quarter million dollar buy-in. Uh, that was like minimum buy-in to get into this game. She obviously at that point is dealing with like, you know, really important people, <laughs> like just giant hedge fund managers and, you know, people that had just billions and billions of dollars, really, really deep pockets, A-list celebrities, athletes, like you name them. They were probably played in her games at some point if they played poker and, um, and uh, then got tied in with like the Russian mob and then got indicted with the FBI in a Russian mob case and then um, got shaken down by like some sort of other mob that was trying to, was trying to collect her debt for her. Um, but she didn't want them to collect the debt through muscle. So she was said no, but then they were like, Hey, this isn't optional. This is something that we're just going to do and you're going to take it basically. But then like that mob got busted and got, you know, like the week after they beat the crap out of her in her, in her apartment, they, like a hundred, they they arrested like a hundred of the top people in that thing, and she never heard from him again. Like just cr a crazy story, just an insane story. And um, and the, she did all this, by the way, when she was like her late twenties, early thirties, as a single woman, um, like in a total, like obviously a complete man's world. You know what I mean? 
um, when you're when you're dealing with people of that type of net worth and stuff. Like she was building her games for men. So like the fact that she went and built that, like I, I was just so impressed by that. And then after uh, the FBI took her money, which I think was just a total scam. If if you watch the movie in the book or read the book, you'll you'll understand what I mean by that. Um, uh, basically she was found not guilty of being anything in the Russian mafia because she wasn't in the Russian mafia. It was just that they played in her games and she didn't know. Um, so they ended up seizing all of her assets. She had like a few million dollars in the bank after, you know, doing, running those games. They took all of her money and then fined her um, for not paying her taxes on the money that they took from her. Um, so she was like, <laughs> so she went from like having a few million in the bank account to owing the U.S. government like a quarter of a million dollars on tax money on money that they seized from her account. Like they took all of it. Like what? You're going to tax me on money that you took all of? Like I don't understand. So uh, so anyway, so she just kind of went back to the drawing board. Instead of like giving up and going back to school, becoming a lawyer or something, she was like, hey, I'm going to share my story. So she wrote the book, sold the book, and then uh, went to Aaron Sorkin, who's one of the most well-respected producers in Hollywood. And um, he produced the movie and, uh, and also made it his directorial debut. So his first movie he ever directed, um, which a lot of people in Hollywood were like looking for the first Aaron Sorkin, you know, big film. And, uh, and uh, Jessica Chastain plays Molly in the movie. Idris Elba plays the lawyer. Uh, Kevin Costner plays her dad. It's a great film. And I'm amazed by how many people don't know about her. It's just like, it, it was in actual theaters. Like I, I just figured it, I figured a lot more people would know. Cause when I interviewed her, I was like, you know, obviously super stoked for it. I still am. And she's a good friend now. Um, and, uh, I, I was just like, man, how, how do more people not know who this girl is? Like she should be, she should be known so much more than she is, but, um, you know, just kind of goes to show that sometimes that Hollywood world is a little bit, is a tight knit community and movies yeah. like that kind of get swept under the rug comparatively to like the giant blockbuster releases, you know? <laughs> no. I, so when you start talking about her, I was, I had a lady stop me at a conference and she was talking about some of the people I had on my podcast and she was like, Oh, you need to get Molly Bloom. And then you said gambling it immediately triggered that. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I started digging into her story too. <laughs> I didn't know the double jeopardy thing though of yeah. taxing the money that you didn't have because it was if you haven't seen the movie. It, like the movie is totally worth it. Yeah. Yeah. That was insane. I was like, sometimes the government does some shady stuff in, in the name of, in the name of justice, you know, <laughs> I was like, well, come on now. Like you just took all of her money and then you're going to make her pay taxes on the money that you just took. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't have any money. <laughs> you just took it all. Like, right. 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 No, I, I, um, I love that answer. And I, I, I love coming across people that are like that. You, you discover them. Um, there is somebody that has just been meteoric success. Somebody, tagged me on Twitter and he's interesting. He's not by any means a Milo. He's, yeah, his name was uh, Zuby. And that guy grows by 10,000 people a day. And, you know, he was on Rogan. And once you do Joe Rogan, you know, you know what happens. But he's on Sky News. He's he's a British guy. And uh, it's just been. What's what's his name? Zuby, uh, Twitter, Zuby Music. He's a rapper from Great Britain, interesting guy, but a conservative, uh, unabashedly, and or maybe even libertarian, thus the Joe Rogan appearance. Sure. But his pen tweet was one that he knew what he was doing. 
um, it was um, something like, so in 2019, I keep getting told that there's no difference between men and women. So watch me bash the world heavyweight record, uh, deadlift record in Great Britain. P.S. I identified as a woman while lifting this. Don't be a bigot. <laughs> yeah, and 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 then like he got invited on bbc they're like are you serious do you think that you feel entitled to this world record and he's like there's the problem no i don't and yeah. he says and he says and i'm not saying there's he's like i'm not trying to be he's like he made the point that he made on joe rogan that i would have an advantage if you know obviously there's a lot there and you have to you know you know take testosterone blockers there's a but he did it for to provoke but at the same time, start a dialogue. And that's been the interesting thing about this guy that with each passing day, I'm like, he's turning into a celebrity. And it's just been kind of strange to, not strange, it's been interesting to follow that because <clears throat> normally people that stir the pot and are angry, they drown in the sea of, you know, it can get negative really bad, but doesn't seem to bug him. And for the most part, everything, he's, everything's pretty positive. Doesn't cuss, yeah. doesn't. Yeah doesn't try to you know degrade people but uh he's making some people mad <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah you could you could say that yeah yeah but every time i click on his profile or i like check him out i'm like you know he was just at a like 180,000 not so well here i'm just checking it 203.5,000 followers now i don't <laughs> think he had 100,000 when he yeah, had, yeah. was on joe rogan and so how long ago was he on rogan <sighs> a month and a half two months ago maybe uh, uh... yeah yeah, but it's, it's kind of, I mean, that's meteoric rise right there, you know. Yes. Well, and like you very well know, the engagement isn't, you know, I've seen some people with, you know, 200,000 followers and they make a post and it gets one like. Yeah. Right, uh, right, that's exactly. not this guy. It's, definitely, uh, definitely not anybody that's on Joe Rogan. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, Travis, thank you so much. Um, glad we connected. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's as a person that's been on both sides, I appreciate you taking the time to do that. Uh, I, there's a lot of people out there that probably would want to look under your hood. How do you get all these people? Well, I love your answer. Make it easy for them. Uh, yeah. And even though you can't nab that first all-star, everybody knows somebody that is a, you know, I like Steve Sims wrote a book on that. I just love blue fishing yeah. uh, on how find a commonality. Yeah. You know, you, you want to interview, you know, Billy Corgan. Great have an interest in the humane society or, mm -hmm. you know, some of these, you know, really unique ways that, that mm -hmm. find them. So I love that answer. I love that you're taking time uh, to, to help out other podcasters and then, and all your coaching and you're, you're coaching people up and making them successful. successful. So kudos yeah, to you, yeah. my man. I appreciate it. Yeah. And actually uh, this is something that's totally brand new uh, uh, that we're not actually not looking to take on any more coaching clients. Um, we're switching more just to like a done for you model um, instead of, instead of coaching people one-on-one -on, -one on how to podcast, basically like me and my team will actually build people a podcast. Um, but uh, the, the coaching was just getting too much and it's just not scalable and I can't keep taking on more and more clients. So um, even though I want to, I, I just I just don't have the bandwidth. So we're just kind of switching to something that allows me to be part in the strategy still and help make sure that the podcast is successful and makes money and that kind of stuff. But um, then my team kind of takes over the actual implementation of the ins and outs and uh, the, in creating the assets and things like that. So yeah. that's kind of the main thing that we're focused on now. That's awesome. All right, man. Uh, lastly, in places they should look for you, find you. 
Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to see more about me, um, travischapel.com is the best place. C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L, travischapel.com. Uh, everything that I do is over there. So check out my podcast over there, all my social links over there. I probably spend the most time either in my Facebook group or on Instagram. Um, probably where I spend the most time. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you email me, I email you back. It's always me. It's not an assistant. Um, so, uh, yeah, any, anybody who wants to reach out, feel free to reach out. Here it is. Travis, again, thanks so much for being on the show. Yes, sir. Thanks a lot, Don. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.